This show is brought to you by Nice Mug. Nice Mug is the only mug made entirely out of ice. For more information, go to nicemug.com and enter the coupon code SAUNA for 10% off your entire purchase. Hey everybody, uh, this is Glenn, and uh, thanks for listening to this episode of Sauna Talk. And uh, this is a unique episode in that uh, I have this uh, great opportunity to uh, bring to you Bill Trotter, who's a general manager of Chicago Sweat Lodge. And the uniqueness of this one is, um, I'll just admit to you guys, okay, here's the story. So 30 years ago when I first got into sauna, my whole exposure to sauna was in a cabin environment, an up north environment, a private sauna. And I brought that back to the United States and it became a big part of my life. I own two saunas, one's private sauna in my backyard, another is a private sauna on our at our island cabin. So this is the flag I've been waving for many years, the idea of a private sauna in one's house. You invite people over and that's sauna. But what's interesting here is uh, I've been exposed now to the public sauna. And it's actually really an interesting uh, uh, splinter or direction for where sauna is growing and where sauna is going uh, in North America. Uh, Public sweat. Um, I first got exposed to this at the uh, sweat summit. brought by uh, Mikkel Oland, and if you haven't heard his podcast, uh, please check it out. He's the author of Sweat, and uh, our Sweat Summit at Archimedes Banya in San Francisco um, was very formative for me because we talked about sweat and public bathing, you know, this whole business that I knew basically nothing about, uh, had very little interest in. I thought it's kind of weird you go to a public spot and you know, deal with other people and all this mishmash. I, I always thought sauna was best in your backyard or at your own cabin kind of thing. But uh, this episode changed my feeling, uh, my exposure and experience to Chicago Sweat Lodge and other public banyas has changed my opinion. And uh, I think it's great. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if you go to saunatimes.com, I'm expanding a directory uh, my goal is that those folks that are into really good sweat uh, that are traveling or cruising around can use Sauna Times and the directory there uh, to find a well-filtered uh, listing of public sweat facilities uh, to go visit. So if you are uh, listening, uh, go to a certain facility in your town or in your travels and you would like to be a guest writer on sauna times uh contact me glenn at uh well probably the best email is just sauna times at gmail and uh and just put in the subject heading uh a public sweat facility and put the name of it and tell me your story so this is a really important thing that we're doing here is uh you know the rising sauna tide lifts many boats and one of the boats we're talking about in this episode is the idea of sweat lodge chicago sweat lodge and public bathing you know this public business so you can pay you can go you can get a great sweat in uh get some decent food and uh and go about your day you know it's it's a whole area that is undiscovered for me in base in sauna times, but it's an area we're expanding and I'm really excited about it. So Bill Trotter, okay? This is a this guy is a great guy. Bill. If you get to Chicago Sweat Lodge, there's a good chance he'll be behind the counter. He'll be running around, you know, with towels, making sure things are all right and stuff. Say hi to him. He's really into service. You know, his he's he's been trained in the food service industry, managing restaurants. Uh, he's got service down, um, and and you'll see this when, if you go to Chicago Sweat Lodge, if you're in Chicago. His attention to detail is there and uh, is stamped all over the, his facility there. As a general manager, from the minute you walk in the door, the place is clean. 
The restaurant is fantastic and worth a trip in its own right. And his goal is that you uh, leave with a good experience and a, and a, and feeling great. And so he's dialed into all the things we've been talking about on Sauna Times, about the endorphin rush, uh, you know, rubber band theory, the cool down. And it's just really neat to see this in a different environment here in a, in a public domain. And um, so actually two quick things I want to share with you. Um, I, these are kind of minor corrections here. So when we got together, it was a magical time for me because when I showed up, uh, there were some other guests and they were kind of just finishing. It was kind of late morning. So it was a sort of like weird little window and it was actually a gorgeous day outside and so we all know that about sauna is you know the worse the weather the better the sauna and that relates to chicago sweat lodge as well i mean the busier times is when it's super cold and crappy outside but this was an absolutely gorgeous day i had a window of time when i was in chicago and i'm super excited that i was able to do this interview and the weather was fabulous so i had this moment where i was the only one there for a very short time but then more guests came you know it was getting toward the lunch hour i think people came and you know did their midday thing and it got to have a a, a good crowd you know not packed um but if i gave any impression here that it was sparsely attended that's not the case but I think I said in there, hey, I'm the only guy here or something like that. But hey, and then the other thing is we had our sit down outside and I think I referred to it as the smoking lounge, but there is no smoking. I think there's some Chicago ordinance. You have to be distance back from the building. So I wanted to make that clarification as well. We hung out outside in this cool down area, which is a great little spot. You can just kind of sit outside and, and breathe the air. Uh, and that's where we did our interview. And that's Sauna Talk, and this is Bill Trotter, and General Manager, Chicago Sweat Lodge. Hope you enjoy. Well, hey everybody, uh, I'm sitting here with uh, Bill Trotter. And Bill, your job and your title is? I'm the general manager at the Chicago Sweat Lodge. And how long have you been doing this, Bill? Uh, I've been the manager for about five years, um, although I was involved with the opening of the place uh, and other, other uh, aspects of things. Yeah, and when did Chicago Sweat Lodge open? Uh, 2007, so we're in, our, we're in our ninth year right now. Ninth year, wow. So tell uh, the listeners a little about uh, yourself, Bill, you know, your background, where you're from, your work history, and how you ended up into this sauna sweat world. Um, well, it's, I have, th I like to say I have three degrees in starvation. I've got a degree in art and two, uh, two master's degrees in theater. <laughs> So, so I also also worked in the restaurant business for a number of years, and that's the 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 guy that owns this place. He used to own a restaurant chain here in Chicago called Leona's, and uh, this was a secondary business for him. Now it's it's one of the he's just got this in one other location. That's um, a restaurant. So uh, oddly enough, I met him in a sauna. Uh, back at our gym back in 1990 and that was where where, where was the sauna? that was at, it was in the Lakeshore Athletic Club it was just a little little sauna at a gym um, but I used to I used to I liked sitting in the heat for as long as I can remember so um, I used to go to the sauna on a regular basis in the gym um, and then as I worked with this guy, as I worked in the restaurants, we used to go over to, there was a place downtown called the Division Street Baths that um, was owned, was open for, a, I think, close to 100 years. But uh, there was, I think it opened in 1905 or something, and there was this uh, older Italian guy and his son and his grandson, and they had it, and it was established, and um, and it it kind of was, it kind of faded away. It, it, they, they, I don't know if they were having financial problems, whatever it was, but that closed and um that was about what year then that was right around 2006 2007 because it was the impetus to open this place so just to catch up real quick so you uh theater major working in the restaurant business into sauna at um your health club gets get to know a guy who owns a couple restaurants for him in the restaurants i became managed one of so them. so to really peel that onion back you got a job uh through his restaurants 
mainly because you both enjoy the sauna experience. That's where we met. That's I mean, I, it's it's funny because he's my best friend now. We're, we're we're close friends, and it's odd that we met in a sauna. We and we're here. We are in our old age, <laughs> and we're ending up in a sauna. So. Well, so, so the reason why I think that deserves some clarification is this stuff happens all the time, and this is the beauty of the sauna experience: is that you can sit on the sauna bench. You don't even need to be talking that much, but there is this you know, connection that you can make with somebody that is a true connection. And, and uh, your example is one. So you guys would go to the Division Street bathhouse and have a more, you know, historic or, or a deeper sound experience than just the health club at that right. time. Right. Exactly. And then, um, and, we, and it was a number of years we went there. Um, but as I said, the place was literally, uh, it just, everything just kind of ended at once. The, 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 old the grandfather died and then the father then the father died and then i believe that the grandson had it for a while um and whatever they were doing some renovations or something and a ceiling fell in or something happened and and, uh we thought that was it we didn't think there would you know um they would be opened again and that's when he got the idea with a couple of guys that worked there um, to open this place because they knew about the business. We, we knew nothing. We were, we, I mean, we knew how to go into the sauna. <laughs> but you guys knew about a, a comparable industry, you could say, or a comparable area, which is that, you know, you're running restaurants. Well, you know, yeah, and actually, I mean, a, a big component to this place is the hospitality as far as, I, as, far as I can, I'm concerned. Um, the, the, the people that come here, they comment on our staff all the time. They're friendly. They feel they feel comfortable here. They feel like they're at home. Um, there's people from all different you know parts of the world that come here. Most of our most of our clientele is is are, are from other countries. Um, originally, they're mostly Americans now. Right now. So service. Uh, so there you were sitting, uh, you know, on the bench at at what was then Division Street Bathhouse falls into disrepair in the middle 2000s. Is that about? Yeah, it was it was around uh, 2006, I think, because it was it was right at that time that he started looking for a, a property that would be reasonable to buy and and convert into something. And how did this property present itself where we're sitting right now? You know what I we used to drive around and just look at different real estate um, from time to time, and or. or until he found this this particular spot, there were a couple other sites that he had in mind, but this this fit all the things. It had a concrete floor that we could put the ovens on, um, and all and all the necessary things. It was it was reasonably priced. It was out of the downtown area, so that was we're in a more ethnic neighborhood here, um, and that was that was what we were trying to do. Right. So it ticked a lot of boxes of of criteria at that point. So <clears throat> moving forward, then. Um, Let's talk about the construction of Chicago Sweat Lodge. Who helped and consult? Who helped you guys do this thing? Uh, is this facility influenced by other sweat lodges? Um, have you guys been to other sweat lodges? Well, when they when we um, built the place, there was one of the one of the guys that was working directly with uh, the owner at the time. Um, I was still in the restaurants, so I was here. I would come here and help do stuff like find all the information on the walls and the photographs and all that stuff, and then come and enjoy the place. But um, he he had contacts or he knew people in in New York who were Russian or I believe they were they may have been Ukrainian, but they came and built the ovens. And so they and they had they had worked on I don't know which of the businesses in New York, but they had built ovens there. So they they came here and and you know I guess we put them up. We did put them up for a couple of weeks while they actually built the ovens how many of these russians came over um there was a crew of just two or three right that put it together and had these guys built sweat lodges previous do you think they've built they had built these type of ovens before so they i mean it was that was why they were that we sought them out wow fantastic so you brought in the real deal the a-team yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we we were like, okay, we gotta build this thing, you know. So right on. So so in the restaurant business, you guys know a lot about you know city code, city ordinances, and all that. How difficult was it? I mean, this is uncharted waters in a lot of lot of ways. The concept of building a sweat lodge. How difficult was it, and what kind of hurdles did you guys involve yourself from? You know, health code, building code. All that, all the navigation that you must have uh, endured at that time. 
Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't when that was being done. I wasn't personally involved. I do know that that you know there was uh, because there's so few places like this in the city um, that the the neighborhood was a little bit concerned about what was would be going on here. Um, obviously, since then, they number of them have been here, and they were we get along great with them. Um, and that was that was probably the biggest hurdle. We had to go to a couple. Uh, they went to a couple uh, city meetings or, or township meetings just to explain what it was. And uh, after that, there really. I mean, I don't. I don't want to. There really wasn't a lot of a lot of drama. So what about like rules and codes and all that stuff? Well, there these we we're subject to all the regular building codes and the rest. And we've got a, a restaurant in here, so we've got a. You know, we get a, a health inspection every year, um, which we're familiar with because we've been dealing with them. You know, I've been dealing with it 20 years in the restaurant. Um, so uh, other than that, I mean, they inspect the, the things were inspected and everything was opened. And it was, it was so so no no guy comes in with a city business card and, and a thermometer and says, oh, your your hot room is 190. That's 10 degrees too much. Or you don't have that type of regulation breathing on you. Well, I don't, there aren't, I don't think there's enough places or ovens like this to have regulations. Obviously, we keep it, everything's very safe. We, you know, we got everything under control there, but there's no, the, the ovens heat overnight as well. So it's a very different kind of thing. It's not something you can just turn up or down with a knob. Um, they're heated rocks. So um, the, the, the good thing about that is that the temperature is going to go up gradually. So it, it heats overnight, and then in the morning we have a temperature that will stay there or maybe diminish a little bit throughout the day, but not much. So so, so the, if you don't mind my, my interruption on that, I was flabbergasted when you described it for me. Uh, for the listeners here, I just uh, if you've never been in a sweat lodge, <clears throat> what we're looking at here, there are two hot rooms at Chicago Sweat Lodge. If you walk into one, it's a cubic space. What are, what sort of dimensions in the wet sauna are we speaking about? Um, boy, that's a, you know, I'm putting you on the yeah, spot. Yeah, I, I never. It's probably ten by. It's about ten by twenty feet, so that would be uh, ten. Yeah, it seemed a, it's more a little more square, like maybe fifteen by fifteen or something, and almost as tall as it is, like a cube almost. You know, yeah, I'm thinking it's narrow because of where the benches come in, yeah. but it's it's practically. It, you're right. It is it is a, a square. Um, I would say 15 by 15 would be a good number. Yeah, yeah, maybe even a little more, 18 by 18. But what I find so interesting about sweat lodges is there, there's quite, quite a lot of verticality to them. Multiple benches, probably good four rows of benches in there. And then in the corner sits this big brick oven. Okay, and this is what I would love, Bill, for you to expand upon a little bit, is about the process, the daily process of, of heating uh, these two rooms. Okay, well, the, the, the ovens have, to begin with, they've got large stones in, in them, and there's 6,000 pounds of rocks in each uh, place. Um, as you can see, when we were opening this, <laughs> we, should have had a, we should have had our heads examined. <laughs> we were building these things with rocks and all this stuff. Um, now, of course, we know a lot about it, but then it was, uh, it was just kind of crazy. Um, at any rate, we replace them once a year. We take all the rocks out, um, replace them. Um, with this, with new rocks because they break down from the heat over over time. We also have to do a, a, a good amount of rebuilding on the inside. There's four arches in there that hold the rocks, and then underneath the arches is where the flame comes in at night um, and, and heats everything up. The arches have to be, we, we rebuild usually two a year. We, we take it apart and put new bricks in. We also take all the fire bricks out that are bad and put new ones in. So it, it is a maintenance process because of this this intense heat that every night you, you, uh, you cycle through uh there's there's and this is all gas so you're running uh cycles of of gas heat and the fundamental it's just a very basic process is you're trying to where you are you're you're creating a lot of thermal mass by heating these four thousand pounds of rock is that is that a good summary yes and they and the 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 thing that's the the is the point is it's the rocks that are giving giving off the heat in the end which makes which makes a big difference the gas flame the when the place is opened the gas flame is never on it's the it's just the rocks that are on and and so um 
as a result, I find the heat be really deep, really penetrating. Um, and it's like you said, it's a huge maintenance thing. Once a year, we have to turn them off or, or we just shut them down. But it takes four days for the rocks to cool off. Um, and then just so we can pick them up to take them out. And then we still have to use gloves. So um, it's, it's, it's a process that we have to do. It's always a bit unnerving for me because we, we've got, we, we close one and fix it, and then we close the other one and fix it. Um, but everything's kind of turned upside down while all this is going on. But, uh, but, um, but in the end, it's very, it's very worth it because the, when the rocks are new, it's the, the heat's stronger. It, it, they hold the heat longer. It's, it's just there's all these nuances that, that are involved with this. Quite honestly, I never would have thought existed, right. you know. Um, but I do, I, I really feel confident that we've got, you know, the best heat in the city. I mean, it's, it's, uh, and it's, uh, it's consistently, consistently hot. And I, and I, uh, we've, we've got it down now where we can keep those, the heat regulated by how much fire we apply at night. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, is the, the, the temperature that's there when you go in in the morning is the temperature that'll be there throughout the day. Um, so that really, um, you know, that really avoids the problem of things overheating at any point because it's always, it's always at a set temperature that we know is. It, so when you think about you and the, your, your good friend, um, the owner of the facility and the restaurant business, what you've got, what you guys have done is eliminated so many moving parts compared to running a restaurant where the food quality, the chef, the, you know, you've, t you've basically boiled down the customer service into a very consistent uh, process, which is a heating of the both uh, hot rooms. Yeah, and we've pre what we've created is a is a place that the you know that our client base will come here and and the regulars they feel like they're in their living room too. We've got you know they're they're it's that kind of comfort that's here. There there's a restaurant here that they can sit down and 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 eat whatever that you know what we have on the menu. We've got a. Uh, uh, a lot of drinks, uh, you know, various various beverages. So yeah, I was going to ask you, and it's a great transition. I was going to ask you about the vibe. Like, explain to the listeners that you know don't know your facility at all. You know, from soup to nuts, from walking in the door. Uh, you know, just to create like uh, a little visualization for the listeners here about what Chicago Sweat Lodge is and offers. Okay. Well, we're on we're on we're on a a, a street in Chicago, Cicero Avenue. That's that's uh, you know, it's it. What my reason for saying that is that there's car lots here. There's some some businesses. There's some industry um, on on Cicero itself. And so when people walk in, they come into the front desk and we check them in. And we give them their towels and their sandals and they walk in the door. And the, the new customers are always kind of shocked at the place when they see it because there's we've got a, we've got a fountains running in the pool because there's water that's being filtered and so there's that sound they walk into this restaurant area that's that's wide open um and they i it's it's kind of like walking into an oasis off of the out of the city you know and it's also um, i had and I, and I had a guy say this yesterday he said it's like walking into a different country in a way because it's such a different different vibe you know um and and it's it's I, it's very friendly, very nice, and I think part of that too is the are the people that we've got here. Um, everybody's, you know, they're friendly or they don't work here, but <laughs> that's pretty much it. But, but right. it's all the people. So, in terms of the facilities, uh, you walk in, you check in, leave your license, uh, your issued towels, bathrobe, uh, a key, keys to get over to the locker room. You walk into the space, and you're you're into the restaurant area right. which is also a great hangout area and <clears throat> as you travel through that space uh you'll see the wet sauna entry on your left and you come into what do you call that area where the cold plunge is oh we did we, we call it the lounge room but it's yeah. we've got a number of we've got 16 chairs in there plus uh six zero gravity chairs for people to, to rest in and then the, the cold pools there and we've also got televisions on you know with uh various usually it's, it's almost always sports um, we have you know all the major sports stuff going on um, and then if as you walk through if you walk through that room you go by the dry sauna um, and and then into the locker room this show is brought to you by sun country airlines sun country is staffed by cheerful humans and wherever sun country flies they are competitive and keep the airfare honest so whether I'm checking out Temescal in Tulum 
or the Archimedes Banya in San Francisco. Sun Country Airlines is the first and last place I go for decent air travel. So here we are out back at the Chicago Sweat Lodge, and I'm with Bill Trotter, the general manager. Bill's been on board at this facility here a bunch of years. Uh, how many years total now? Well, I've been here in some capacity since the beginning, um, but I've been the general manager for the last five. So um, it's, uh, it's a place that, I'm very, that, I, that I know quite well. I know the business quite well at this point. And I, uh, I was introduced to Chicago Sweat Lodge through a, a policeman down here in Chicago. And I just happened to mention, uh, you know, coming from Minneapolis, hey, I'm coming down to Chicago. And, uh, and uh, Kevin, uh, by name, uh, brought me down here. And that's where I initially met Bill. He was uh, very welcoming to Kevin and myself and told him a little about Sauna Times and what's going on. And we were definitely kindred spirits. We... Uh, you know, hit it off right away, and it was just, uh, it, I, I come down to Chicago for my day job, and I'll tell you, it's just been such a great oasis to have Chicago Sweat Lodge as a as a spot for me to decompress uh, after a wonderful day of driving through Chicago traffic and seeing customers. So I know what you mean about the vibe. I mean, it's a very friendly vibe in here, very cool. Everybody's, you know, in into the health and wellness experience that is offered here at Chicago Sweat Lodge, and the, you know, the ethnic thing is something I noticed right away. So Bill, tell us a little bit about, you know, returning guests, uh, where they're from, um, uh, in the, in the different, uh, ethnic and countries represented, uh, by a lot of your guests. Well, um, uh, I mean, to our delight, um, when we opened, uh, we didn't realize the, the size of the, uh, community of Eastern Europeans with the Russians, Ukrainians, uh, Lithuanians. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out, but there, there's a lot of people that uh, uh, on a regular regular part of their life in their country was to go to the banya once a week and uh, the sauna and, and meet with their friends and talk and, and have a good time. And we, tet we were able to uh, really appeal to that community and word of mouth really spread because we had, we had the real deal here. Um, so what ended up happening was we we actually changed our menu changed changed the the drink list we had uh, even as far as some of the beers and stuff uh for that community and as a result of that we've the place has become um an an ethnic uh phenomena on its own because it it is it, it does have a lot of different things that you wouldn't find in most places in chicago yeah and english uh, may not necessarily be the primary language you'll hear as you hang out you know in the lounge or sit on uh, one of the dry saunas or the 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 banya uh space it's uh, it's like a foreign country in a lot of a lot of times of the day isn't it and we've got a we've got a, a Spanish community too here. A lot of lot of uh, uh, number of Mexicans, but there's Guatemalans, a lot of other people. What's, but how how did the Spanish community find out about Chicago Sweat Lodge? Well, much much like the the uh, the, the Russian community or the Ukrainian community did. I mean, word of mouth. Um, you know, in their culture as well, it's it's something that they do on a regular basis. So um, it's not a a foreign idea to them. In fact, it's probably a little more foreign to a lot of Americans than it is to the people that come here, you know? Um, so, so that's, that's where our base started. What's encouraging is as time's gone, gone by, there's more and more people, um, learning to appreciate this, especially a lot of the millennials and people in, in that age group, which is, which is great from, from my point of view, because it, it, it keeps the, the tradition going with the next yeah. generation. Right, so. on. right on. That's well said. You know, we, we, I see this a lot with sauna times. You know, one of the things that, that I do is, is offer my build your own sauna ebook. And, uh, there's people all over North America, uh, shoot, even New Zealand, uh, Croatia. I mean, I've sold the book uh, and helped people build saunas, you know, all over the world. But what's really encouraging, uh, much to your point, Bill, is that a lot of younger uh, folks, a lot of millennials, like, are really tapping into the health and wellness benefits of, of sweat, of, of the whole regimen of, uh, you know, cold plunge, getting very, you know, heated up, the cycling, the rounds. Um, and just how f great you feel afterward about and and this this also this this wonderful benefit of leaving your cell phone in the locker and uh, just decompressing and getting away from all the busyness that we've created in our society. Exactly, and um, um, 
and that's that's what happens. People come here and they'll spend a lot of times they'll spend three or four hours. Not all that time is in the sauna, obviously. There, there, there's a lot of socializing that goes on. They'll sit down and they'll have a meal. They'll play cards, um, backgammon. We've got we've got iPads for people to use. A lot of the some of the guys will bring their kids. The kids will come in. So it's it's a very uh, uh, family friendly kind of environment as well. That's uh, um, once again it's 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 different for the United States. I think in many instances. So. Right on. Hey, do uh, the food and the beer are so good? Uh, do people ever come just to eat? Absolutely. And, and you let them in? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, they they just they just come in and sit down, and we we set them up, and they eat what they they love the food. There's there's especially locally, there's people that come in and, and come in and get some pierogies or. <laughs> right on. What what food specifically? What on the menu uh, have you found uh, attract? just uh, uh folks that want to eat as opposed to engage in the whole sauna sweat experience um you know it's usually the we, we have pelmeni which is a, a a dumpling that's a, a ukrainian and russian and we've got uh, uh the pelmeni which is i mean the uh, pierogies which are is a polish dumpling um, but we've also got a ukrainian salad we have uh, a village salad that's that's got salami and cheese and uh, uh various vegetables in it um and that's what they'll come in they come in for but all the food you know they oddly enough and the sandwiches are very good we've got three sandwiches on the menu that are american chicken sandwich you know kind of standards and we sell some of those but not a lot um it's it's what we sell is the the ethnic food and i think even to the americans that come in that's what they come in for they want it's it's part of the whole experience it's kind of like going into a Eastern European place. Right now, is the restaurant open right now in the lunch hour? Oh yeah, the restaurant's always open. Wow. So after another round, hey, this is great. If you could see Bill and I right now, we're in our bathrobes, we're between sauna rounds. Bill joined me in in the hot room. Uh, we call you call it the wet sauna. Where we? Yeah, the wet sauna or the Turkish sauna is the Turkish sauna is the proper name for right it. Right on, and it's uh, it's totally authentic. It's just wonderful to have these multiple tiered benches so you can control like the intensity of the heat of where you want to sit. Uh, there's uh, uh, spigots down there uh, where you can fill up buckets of cold water, dump them on your head in the in the wet sauna or the Turkish sauna. So here we are. You know, Bill and I we took a couple of rounds. We decided, hey, let's get this podcast going. I could, uh, just talking about the restaurants got me a little hungry. So, Bill, what do you recommend I have uh, on the menu here? I've I've had the seafood soup, and I'm telling you, as I land in O'Hare at O'Hare, flying into Chicago, looking at you know my my sales calls and all the shit I got to do for my day job and I think about Chicago Sweat Lodge I'm thinking ah at the end having that fresh bread that you guys make and that seafood chowder it's just that's one's tough to beat but what other recommendation do you have for me okay well we sell we sell a lot of our chicken soup as well but the the fish soup is is very popular um and I and actually I I see our soups I think are some of the best in the city I mean um but the you know I the pelmeni is very good. The pierogies are good. We've got a new pierogi on the menu that's uh, uh, sauerkraut and mushroom. That's really, really pretty tasty. Right. Um, and uh, but there's also, I mean, there's a, all the salads are are top notch. I mean, as far I mean, they're the food here is big. I mean, we tend to serve big portions, and and it's it's kind of a home style kind of serving. We've got home style potatoes that go on a lot of the dishes. We've got yeah. the the uh, there, there, there's this Russian chicken dish, and I don't know. I'm going to mispronounce it if I say it, so I'm not going to. Yeah, but. right, right. But, but you're, you're right. Large sizes and great value. And after two, three, three and a half hours of uh, sauna sweat, um, you build up an appetite. And uh, you know, I think that's part of the trick of great tasting food is get them to sweat and get them really hungry yeah. for three hours. Right? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I mean, because it, you know, even though you're just sitting there in the heat and going in the pool and back and forth it does it does you know spend energy you know but it's but in a in a very relaxing way because a lot of times you'll these i've had guys come in take the sauna eat and then sit in one of the the zero gravity chairs and they're just out yeah out like a light what a perfect recipe to take a nap yeah exactly exactly so let's talk about it's men only here at chicago sweat lodge uh we talked in the hot room a little bit about you know the history of the the russian saunas through uh the division street bathhouse and over there you know there's the women's side and the men's side and you guys found that the women's side was 
very underutilized if not used much at all so you had some real estate constraints and you guys made the executive decision early on that chicago sweat lodge would be men only exactly that was the when the the other place was closing down when they closed down um their their clientele was primarily men and that was the that was the and they were they were Eastern Europeans, a lot Jewish guys, all these, in many cases, older guys that were, had been doing this their whole life. And that was the, the client we initially wanted to capture. Um, so we, and we did have, there were, there were size restrictions. There's also, um, you know, with, we didn't want, we weren't prepared to concern ourselves with some of the services that women may want as far as, uh, you know, getting their nails done or hair or, or some of the other, other things there. Yeah. So, um, so we kept it simple and just and made it men only. And uh, we even tried at one point to have a, a women's day, but it, it just, it, it didn't work because, well, it was twofold. We didn't have a lot of people show up. And then the regular customers who usually come on their spe- on their specific day mm-hmm. would, would get a little aggravated. So, yeah, so we just decided to keep it as it is. And, uh, you know, and, and, uh, people will call here. I'll refer them to another, uh, you know, if a woman, woman calls here, I'll refer them to another local place. But, mm-hmm. um and it's 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 worked out well. We we've, we've we've talked about expanding, but it just hasn't been possible um, so far. So, is there any thought to enlarging the outdoor space now that there is more parking, uh, potentially rooftop, or what other uh, recommendations are you getting from guests um, in terms of enlarging, expanding, or offering different things? Yeah, we've talked about putting a, a, a rooftop deck on, which would be a, a nice a nice thing. We we probably have to get you know various things cleared and make sure we get get everything done correctly but um it's it's a little bit it's it's a little bit down the road probably next probably next spring or next next summer when we if we talk about that right we're we're sitting out back right here and uh you could call this area the smoking lounge outside (laughs) (laughs) yes sometimes but but i've had uh, i i think this is like a wonderful utilization of what probably is a 10 by 15 you know you're only talking about maybe 150 square feet of space but you know we have a covered uh covered area in case it's rainy or whatever and it's uh it's well well guarded with a fence there's some nice flowers growing and this outdoor space is just like a nice little oasis and i am always a big fan of uh uh, fresh air between sauna rounds and I always joke that uh, in a health club environment or a hotel sauna environment you know the first thing that I would offer as a consultant to improve you know the sauna space the cool down space is to bring a jackhammer and uh, and blow it out and have an outdoor patio <laughs> yeah. yeah well you know and in the in the winter this is nice in the summer um, for people to come and sit while the weather's temperate but the a lot of our clients in the winter they come out here too because it's cold when exactly and they'll come out of here when it's zero degrees and yes. just to to get into the cold that's it yes it's a it's a fabulous uh element to the sauna regime that regiment that offers uh, a great therapy of the of the expanding and the in the cooling the muscles expanding and cooling and the uh in your skin too i mean you have all of your pores opened up completely during a hot round and even after a cold plunge i mean your your skin is you know wants this extra cold uh as part of the therapy you know and there really there really is from my understanding is that there's a circulation benefit with your body too that happens when you expand everything in the heat and then it contracted in the cold um it's yes. really good for your circulation really good really good let's talk about the venic and uh vita is the term in uh, in finland i noticed you guys uh it, it seems to be a big part of the chicago sweat lodge experience and and i gotta say even today bill when i came in and uh in the dry sauna specifically has a has a wonderful aroma in there it doesn't smell like cedar which the walls are lining you you can actually it smells um botanical a little bit and it, tell us a little bit about the venic the experience and uh, a lot of the clientele um partaking in, in in that component of the sauna experience okay well what it what it uh, what a venic is it's made out of oak leaves oak leaves oak leaves are our birch leaves we, the ones that we sell here are, are the oak leaves and they're just bound together it's they're just little branches but um what what they what's done with them is they're they're put in water for a half hour to an hour uh beforehand warm water or not 
You know, that's one of those things where there's all these different opinions. User preference. Yeah, yeah. I usually, I usually it's warm water. There are some people that say that it should be cold, but I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not a pro, so I don't really know on that. But um, anyway, after they're soaked, then they t- take it into the into, into the dry sauna, and one person lays down on the bench, and the other person taps him with these with these leaves. And what that actually does is it opens the pores more. Okay, so if you can believe it, you get even hotter. (laughs) So there's some air circulation happening too with that. And so, um, and it's and it's it's interesting to see this happening because it's for the most part it's once again from other cultures, you know. But they they, they're very accustomed to it, and and then they get done and they're overheated and they run out and jump in the pool, you know. And it's it's. They they swear it keeps them alive. You know, they, right. it's just uh, it's it, really it, it takes the sweat sauna experience um, up a notch. I would yeah. say. Yeah, and it's and it's you know at first when you try to ex- to explain this to some people, they think it sounds a little little nutty with the you know with the leaves and everything. But once you understand what's going on, it really makes a lot of sense. Right on. So here's a question from. Um, uh, uh, the readers, uh, sauna times readers. Uh, so who should clean the leaves from the oak brooms in the sauna, the users or the employees? Well, we, we sell them or people can bring their own in, but they're, they're used they're They're for like one or two time use. So it's not, it's not something that gets necessarily cleaned. People keep their, keep their own leaves and they rinse them off and then they usually put them in a bag and take them home. And, they, and they're only good for, you know, maybe two or three visits to the sauna. So do you do you uh, you feel that that's a bad thing if there's some oak leaves you know on the bench and stuff do you do you want people to clean up after that or do you consider it not a big deal to like sweep that stuff up periodically Oh well when the leaves fall off the things as they do um, you know we've got the employees go in and we sweep up you know on a, on a regular basis um, and if there's a couple dry leaves on the on the benches I don't think people get too upset because no, that's no. they, like they I, dry out very fast they dry out fast and I, like I say the aroma is is really compelling it's a it's a really really nice feel in in there when uh, when folks are in engaging in the venic or the vita experience very authentic uh, the real deal um, so hey Bill we're amongst friends here you know folks that enjoy the health and wellness experience of sauna you know it's a, it could be a personal question about your profit loss the you know how the business is going but uh, I know that listeners here are going to want to hear you say that things are great and you guys are making good money and stuff you know but there's a lot of costs I mean the li- I'm curious about liability insurance is that a really high thing uh, obviously your gas bill must be higher than the typical facility how is your P&L and how are things going for you guys well it's it's interesting because it's it's really like running two businesses in a way because we've got during the cold months okay the the uh you know there's more people coming in obviously in fact probably close to double of what come in on an average day in the in the middle of the summer um so what what you have what you're what you deal with basically is you've got a lot of your money coming in on one half of the year so you've got to budget it throughout the rest of the year um and, and it's it's a profitable business or you wouldn't be here um but the the you know the the summer is a different time because all of all of the heating and all the electric all that stuff those are fixed costs they stay the same every month no matter what our our uh, income is so it's a, it's it's a bit of a balancing act but it's you know and the insurance it's it's, it's insurance is what insurance is and it's 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 not a lot different than what we would pay in a restaurant or for one of the restaurants right. at, at any time. So, yeah, the difference, say, with a restaurant is you don't have to sell the concept of people going to a facility to sit down and eat food. Right. I mean, that's ubiquitous in our culture. But you guys are, you know, having a marketing challenge or opportunity of you know, raising, I always say the the rising sauna tide lifts all boats. And here in Chicago, I know of two other public sweat facilities. Uh, you know, there's the um, uh, King Spa up yeah. there. And, uh, you know, we have the, the Division Street Bathhouse now reopened as, as uh, Red Square. And are, are there other facilities that you're aware of in Chicago? Um, not not this sort of thing. Even, even the, the uh, King Spa is... Is has hot rooms, but it's it's a little more water based. If that okay. makes any sense, because yeah. um, it's a it's a, a Korean concept, but we tend to be more Eastern European. Right on, right um, on. 
but um, no, there really there really isn't a lot of you know. I'm, so here you have the third largest city in the country where th- there's three public places to go to sweat in very simple terms. Uh, and then Bill and I were talking, uh, you know, before we, we hit record on here when we were sitting in the hot room. And, uh, you know, it's to me, I think when you have a, a an area with choices, uh, it's going to grow the market. And what comes to mind in northern Minnesota where our cabin is, is, you know, one of the top public golf courses in the country it's hooked up with a casino and it just so happens that there's another really high-end uh two 18-hole course you know within a 30-minute drive and i see this i see a lot of golfers treat uh the course up on Lake Vermilion where my cabin is as a destination point. And I'm not so sure how many people would go all the way up there if there wasn't other courses to include on a whole weekend trip kind of thing. So the rising tide lifts a lot of boats. It's great to have, I think, other facilities in this city of Chicago for people. Yeah, and I I think, I mean, compared to the restaurant business, I mean, you've got 40,000 restaurants in Chicago. Um, So the... Our challenge is getting the word out to people who don't know about it, who don't know about the place, because it's it's uh, you know you, I, people come in. I ask them how do they hear about it. A lot of our a lot of it's word of mouth, you know. And um, but there's also a lot of people googling these days too. Yeah, so true, true. hey, there was a guy in Minneapolis. Uh, <clears throat> just got to know him. Uh, he was bold enough to contact me at Sound of Times. Lives in Seattle. He goes to Banya Five, which is. Have you heard of Banya Five? No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. It's a public, uh, you know, sweat sauna facility in Seattle. There's a couple out in Seattle now. And uh, he goes, Hey, I was just googling in Minneapolis. There's nothing. Anyway, I had him over to my backyard sauna and had a great time. He's been to your facility down here. He goes to the. Uh, there's a Jewish one in Brooklyn. Um, and so this is what I'm trying to do on Sound of Times as well. I'll show you this bill in a minute when we get the internet thing going is i'm uh, building a directory for people that are into this thing uh, because it is such a great health and wellness um, uh, uh, routine something a practice you can do while you're traveling for work or whatever and it, i think it makes a business trip for me you know totally worthwhile to be able to go and and, and get a good sweat so there's a lot of folks googling to your well, point you know, it's interesting you're right you talk about travelers because I've got a number of clients and they're businessmen that are they're on the I guess they travel a lot for their job, but they'll they'll have a four or five hour layover at O'Hare yeah. and, and we're close enough there to get so they, they come here and a guy yesterday said, OK, how much time do I need to get back to O'Hare because I'm here now? He was here at one o'clock and he had a four o'clock flight. And all that's that. great. So it ha- and it happens. It happens more and more. Well, that's great. Well, I live it. I breathe it. I absolutely love it. When I travel sauna is a key part you know for sleeping well for just rebalancing uh i get so like out of balance when i when i when i travel so this has just been a great uh chicago sweat lodge has been a great beacon for me and in my travels but so back to the a quick question for you what would you advise bill you know a budding entrepreneur in another city say in minneapolis where there is no public uh, uh, sweat lodge or sweat bathing facility, what would be the top couple of three uh, bits of advice you would offer to someone like that wanting to build something like Chicago Sweat Lodge in their own city? Well, in- initially from um, you know just a business point of view, you would want to find um, an area or, or at least a venue to be able to advertise to uh, Eastern Europeans, uh, Spanish people that are that are familiar with the product that you're you're trying to give them, um, you know. Unfortunately, um, in many cases, there um, Americans are still learning about this, and it's it's something that's kind of been forgotten here. But all over the world, you see the pictures in there. Okay, yeah. um, this is you know the, the heat or the sweat bathing is done all the time. So uh, what what our experience is here is that we 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 had this we've got this uh, core of of uh, people from foreign countries that's that got going. But as time goes on, we're getting more and more of the people who walk in, and you know me and and the, uh, my friend we we'll talk about when somebody comes in here the first time. 
sometimes with some of the American folks, it's hard. Once once we get them in the door, then they get it. They see what's going on here. They're, people are relaxing. They're having a good time. They're just having, you know, and uh, and that's and once we get them in here, we feel like we got them because they they see what they see what the deal is here. You know that it's about relaxation. It's about good health. And it's about guys sitting around talking to their friends. You know? Sweet, yeah. So. Uh, Recommendation number one or advice number one from Bill Trotter would be to tap the Eastern European community, uh, whether you're in Kansas City, Minneapolis, whatever. Uh, that's going to be your core uh, group of aficionados, people that really get it and understand and want to come uh, to a sweat lodge. It's, it's part of the ethnic, uh, 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 interwoven in their ethnic background. Yeah, part, of the, part of their lifestyle. Part of the lifestyle. The photo gallery, you, you referenced it. I, uh, I just love reading about it. Um, you must have a dozen or so uh, photos of sweat, of public sauna uh, in the different cultures from all over the world. That was your brainchild, the, the photo gallery? Yeah, I, just, I spent a lot of time on the Internet going through books um, uh, and just finding pictures and information that would go with the various torts types of sweat lodges or saunas was mikkel olin's book sweat uh, uh an influence for you for the photo gallery yeah no I, I i read his book cover to cover when we were opening this place and that was really something we were looking at because it was such a, a well put together book you know right so on, right on and um mikkel's a a, a big big fan of mine and uh he's on this podcast as well so those listening uh want to know a little bit more about mikkel olin and his book sweat iconic book about uh the practice of sweat culturally throughout the world literally uh please check him out so um so how did you know about all the other forms of sauna um was it just a matter of reading about them or have you experienced uh sweat in other cultures bill you know i have to be honest i've 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 been here and i've been to a, just a couple other places but i'm i'm just a local boy as far as this as far as this goes um, do, you, do you get finlanders in here ever you know, we get a few, and when we when they've come in, they're so grateful yeah. to come to, to come to a real sauna. You know, it's just I don't I don't I don't think there's a huge community in Chicago. If there is, come on over. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Well, Bill Trotter, thanks so much for being part of Sauna Talk. I got a, you got time for a couple of rapid fire questions? Sure. Sure. I'm just going to throw these at you. Um, the answers need not be short, but uh, if you could have a kick-ass mobile sauna and bring it anywhere in the world and take a sauna, where would you choose? Where would I go? Yeah. Where would you bring this sauna? Uh, probably Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii. Okay. Have you been to Hawaii? Uh, no, I've always wanted to go there, and I and everybody that's go, has gone there says that the weather's beautiful. So you could be in the sauna, then you go out in the nice weather. You know. Would you have this mobile sauna maybe by uh, by a, one of these famous waterfalls in Hawaii, perhaps? That would be excellent. Yeah, yeah I, I that would be excellent. And maybe maybe in the side of the of the of the mountain. Nice. <laughs> that's great. So you just jump right out and yeah. into the cold. That sounds great. So if you could arrange a sauna session with one other person, anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would you choose? Boy, you know, I, it would probably just be somebody who I would want to talk to. Uh, someone you want to talk to, someone alive or dead, the past? Yeah. You know, I would, oh boy. We can come back to that one. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your typical sauna routine. Like, uh, how often do you sauna, and and how do you go about it? Well, here at here it's usually I'll take take the heat two or three times a week. It's it's pretty intense heat. You wouldn't want to like completely drain your you know you know your body of all your minerals and everything. So um, that's here. But then when I, I go to the gym the other days, and I'll take I call it a sauna light. <laughs> at, 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 at the gym too and it's you know it's uh, the, the gym I go to there's people that I know there too so it's it's a little bit of a social thing there too but it's, it's two or three times a week here um, you know it's it, one of the uh, you know I, I, I like I love my job but one of the, the downsides is that I'm always here at work and so it's this afternoon's been nice because we're, we've come in here in the afternoon and it's we've been able to sit and talk and there hasn't been a lot of things going on no interruptions yeah this has been a valuable time i love it like uh, bill came in and he goes ah you got you got the sauna to yourself and there i was in the cold plunge and there's no, nobody around here it's well 
must be close to 80 degrees here in Chicago, Illinois, and uh, that's that's what you get. You know, you, the morning crowd's gone, and it was just a wonderful um, window of time for me to hang out here here with Bill and uh, and have a sauna. I mean, that's what it's all about. We, you know, it's almost like we're sitting on the sauna bench shooting the breeze right here, right now. Exactly. Yeah. So, Bill, um, as you think about your entire sauna routine, you know, from, like, say, waking up in the morning and, like, say it's a November Chicago day and it's kind of crappy outside and you're like, you just know in your heart it's going to be a sauna day. So, like, from that moment, say, dreaming about taking a sauna all the way through the process until after you towel off, go home, and go to bed that night, what is the one specific moment in that process that you enjoy most and why? Um, well, they... I enjoy the sauna as it's going on, but the the time right after the sauna is probably the best because you're you you the stress is gone, you're relaxed, and it, and you're ready to sleep after this after all the rounds. Yes, yes, because because the, the and the more rounds that you take, the little more tired that you get. There have been times when I've uh, been in and out of the sauna into the water, um, which which really kind of relaxes you more oddly enough going from the hot to the very cold it sounds like it would be a big shock and it is initially but afterwards it really uh just lays you out so would you say that moment would be after maybe you get dressed and go home kind of a thing yeah yeah once the full effect (laughs) takes place you know right on great answer so uh dead or alive anyone anyone come to mind yet uh, still you know, still brewing I, on that one you know just being an artist i would have oddly enough i would like to maybe talk to pablo picasso <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer so hanging out on the sauna bench with pablo yeah, picasso yeah. any specific question you'd like to ask him no i would just i, I would want to pick his brain because here's here's an artist that you know lived through most of the 20th century did everything you know he did he did all the work and he and he can do he could he could do everything you know and still look like a picasso so nice nice last question bill what is one thing about sauna that you think is misunderstood in our culture that you'd like listeners and other people that may not be as familiar with sauna uh to know uh, what, what one thing yeah you know i think that the biggest uh misunderstanding is that i don't i don't think people many people quite understand the health benefits of the sauna i think they often think of it as like a hot room that they have to go into to sit and you know and something's going to happen it's really not like that once you once you're exposed to the sauna for any length of time your body really starts to crave it okay and um and that's that's the hard hardest part to get across to people i think sometimes um but as far as you know i i I'm not a doctor, so I can't say anything officially, but I do know that if you take your body and you put it in a hot environment, okay, your body is going to think that you have a small fever, okay? When that, if, when that happens, it's logical to think that your immune system is going to kick on and it helps keep, keeps the bugs at bay. Not that, you know, I mean, and it's, I believe it helps you even after you're, if you're feeling badly, but I think even before you can, you can ward some of this stuff off. Building up your immune system. Yeah, by using it because it, it the immune system will click on and knock the stuff out. Before. Absolutely. When's the last time you've had a cold, Bill? Um, oh God, it's been a a year or two. I don't I don't remember. I don't really remember. I don't remember either. I mean, I, you know, I, as I asked you the question, I mean, I don't think I've had a cold for many years, and and I uh, I sauna and I'm outside in my backyard in Minneapolis in the wintertime with steam billowing off my body. And, you know, it, so many things are, are counterintuitive when, when, you know, we all grew up and, you know, our mothers would say, oh, put your head on, it's cold outside and all that. But there I am just about naked standing outside in my backyard and steam's billowing off. And if you would uh, imagine uh, uh, an environment ever, you know, like more greater suited to catching a cold, you'd think it would be that. Your skin's wet, your hair's wet. You're, you know, you're, you're standing there. Here comes a cold, right? But the, the, uh, the opposite is the case, much to your point. I mean, the sauna routine, the heat, the cold, uh, you build up this great tolerance and strength and fortitude toward health. Exactly. And I, and, and I, and 
I think inherently you feel it. I mean, I think you, you, you know this is going on. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not just, you know, I, I don't have something on a, from a science paper that I can show you, but I can tell you that it works. Right on. <laughs> well said. So uh, those of you traveling into Chicago, those of you listening that live in Chicago and want to experience a true authentic Russian-style banya uh, with great heat, uh, Chicago Sweat Lodge, I, I love our it. Website, our website yeah. and see pictures www.chicagosweatlodge.com so check it out any parting words to listeners on sauna times with sauna talk no just come see us i guess that's i mean i it's it's been a lot of fun talking about all this stuff Uh, it's been a true pleasure for me i mean one thing that i absolutely love is the is the fact that there are kindred spirits around uh outside of minneapolis and northern minnesota where you know i partake in sauna uh this uh chicago sweat lodge is truly an oasis for me and i I just want to thank you bill trotter for all this great uh facility and and work and and positive energy that you've provided to the sauna community in north america so on behalf of sauna times and sauna talk Uh, Thanks for spending this time, and uh, how about we take a sauna? Sounds good, Glenn. Thanks. (laughs) 